So the vision we talk about being a cornerstone because that's the why. Yeah. And we've worked with thousands of people and lots of companies, but most of the vision work that's done, if it's done at all, is around the company or the department or something like that. With the 12-week year, we don't start with your career, your business. We start with your life because business is part of life. Yeah. What do you want your life to look like three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And by the way, what would great look like? God willing, we're going to be here. Let's make it great. And then we look to the business and say, okay, what do you need to do over here to line and enable with that? So there's an emotional connection to what I do Monday through Friday and the life I want to live. And, and the stronger that connection is, the easier it's going to be for me to step out and do the things it takes to get to that next level. Because if I'm striving to go somewhere I haven't gone before yeah. or even reclaim ground I've taken before, right? I'm going to have to do some things I haven't been doing. So there's discomfort in that, there's uncertainty, there's anxiety. I need a compelling reason to step into that. Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love. And together we're going to be doing just that. Each week, I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back to the show. I've got such a great interview lined up for you today. If you are looking for ways to be more productive, to learn time management strategies that actually work and that align with your higher vision for your life. And honestly, if you don't know what that is, today's conversation is going to help you understand why it's so important and how to structure your time to get more done in less time while working towards your best life. Joining us today is the New York Times bestselling author of The 12-Week Year get more done in 12 weeks than others do in 12 months. Brian's going to explain how we came up with this execution system and how we really can do more in less time, which I think we all want to be able to do. Brian is the president and founder of the 12-week year and has over 30 years of expertise as a corporate executive, entrepreneur, consultant, and coach. He's also a recognized expert in the field of leadership and execution. His realization that most people don't lack ideas, but struggle with effective implementation is what led him to develop the 12-week year. This was such a great conversation. It was honestly one of my favorite interviews. And one of the main reasons is that you're definitely going to walk away with ideas and concepts and specific tactical things that you can implement today to really maximize your time and get aligned with what matters to you. So I'm so excited to share it with you. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. 
Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, we love talking productivity on the podcast. Um, Everyone's looking for ways to optimize their time and get the most results for their time. Um, So I'm definitely excited to talk about how to achieve more in less time. And I know you're also all about living your best life, which is really at the heart of the show. What can we be doing on a daily basis? And in your case, a 12-week year basis, which you can tell us as the author of the 12-week year, get more done in 12 weeks than others do in 12 months. Um, I love starting big picture and then getting maybe more tactical just to give people things to think about. There's something you wrote in here I want to read because I really loved it. It said, I agree with Stephen Pressfield, who, by the way, is one of my favorite authors, (laughs) um, author of The Art of War, that most of us have two lives, the lives we live and the lives we are capable (laughs) of living. It's the latter that intrigues me. Um, and so you say the life, this life isn't driven by the people who settles or gives in to procrastination and doubt by the, but by the optimal you, the best you, the confident you, the healthy you, the you who shows up with your best stuff, making things happen, making a difference, living a life of significance. I mean, I think the women who show up for the show want more of that in their life. So Um, let's just start quickly though. I'd love to understand. So you wrote this book. It looks like in 2013, you've been teaching this a long time. Um, how did you and your business partner come up with the 12 week year productivity system? What, what, what prompted this? Yeah. So the book is really, we wrote the book based on what we were doing with our clients. It wasn't like we sat down and had this theory and sort of put it to paper. And I think that's probably why the book's done so well is that we just documented what we were doing with our clients. So what happened was early on, we realized that, you know what? Um, they all had great ideas. They all had resources, they all, but they were all chasing new ideas. And, and most people felt like, you know, there was something they didn't know. Like there was some technique or some magic silver bullet that they weren't aware of. And, and what, what we really found intriguing was the fact that they're not, most people aren't even tapping what they're currently capable of. Yeah. And, and so our, our, our point of view, our worldview is, look, you don't need anything new. You just need to execute more effectively because great ideas are worthless unless they're implemented. And so people are going out chasing new ideas and gathering all this knowledge and all these resources, and they don't act on it. So and true. so there's no benefit to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we saw, look, if, if the average person just more consistently did what they already know, they'd be healthier, they'd be happier, they'd be making more money. And so our whole focus has been for a couple of decades now. Um, you know, how to implement, how to execute. And the 12 week year is an execution system. And it just, it drives more consistent execution day in, day out. And, and it has a profound effect on the end result. Totally. You, you said something um, and you talk about it in the book too. There's thousands of ways to lose weight and people have all the information that they need, but you know, obesity is one of the biggest epidemics in this country. And so we have the data, but we're not doing it. So what did you, what, I want to have you repeat those words, do more of what we're already doing. What did you say? Yeah. If we're just more consistent with what we already know, yeah. you know people think it's a, a, a knowing gap, right? I don't know enough or there's something out there. I don't know. And it's really about um, 12 years about closing that knowing doing gap because you know more than you're doing. And, and honestly, just, just by being more consistent with that, it's not a little bit. It's a it's a huge impact in any of your life where you're where you're applying it. Yeah, and do you find? I mean, with everyone that you've taught this to, um, how important is the right mindset in order to achieve it? Because the system is here, 
Right. But does your does, does something have to turn on in your brain to actually make it happen? Because like you said, people know stuff, but they're not doing it. So where is the disconnect happening? Yeah, I, I think mindset is everything, to be honest with you. I think it's everything in life. Because if you think about it, we act the way we act. Our, our results are created by our actions, but we act the way we act based on our thinking. Yeah. And it's, it's a mindset thing. And so how you think about your year, right? The 12-week year came about because we were applying a set of disciplines that drive high performance and drive execution. But we were doing it like most people do in an annual environment where we helped our clients set annual goals and build the plans and we broke them down quarterly and monthly and weekly. And, you know, Michelle, we were getting good results, but we didn't get what they were capable of. And, and that's when mm-hmm. we realized that the annual environment was part of the problem. Yeah, because the mindset in that is I've got plenty of time. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I was just thinking you know? that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're, we're already through February. And so everybody was couldn't wait to put COVID year behind us, get off to a fast start. Most people are already behind. Yeah. Two months in there. And but but they're still not, you know, the mindset is still, well, I've got, you know, I've got 10 more months to quote catch up. And it's that mindset that keeps people from really performing at their best because it's not about working harder and longer. Right, you want ten times the results. It's not about working ten times as hard or as long because physically you probably can't. But it's about yeah. working differently, and it starts with how you think about your year, how you think about what you're capable of, um, and and that translates to you know how you think about your day and your week and all of that. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting. I interview a lot of um, seven, eight, nine figure female <clears throat> entrepreneurs on the show, and they all consistently use systems. And one of those systems coincidentally, is this kind of 90-day block where they look at their year in these 90-day increments. They're probably using your system. And so it, it, I was like, you know, there's obviously a proven system here that this is working. What you've created is working. Um, and also, I think it's more encouraging. It doesn't feel so overwhelming. You said, you know, when people plan for the year, it's too much time, but it also it feels less overwhelming, I think, when you're looking at a 90-day block. Because it's almost like you're training for, you know, uh, the shorter, you're, you're not doing the marathon, you're prepping for those marathons. And so you're like, okay, I can get up and do the five mile run today. I'm not really ready for the 26 miles, but I can get up and do the five miles. It gives you that kind of energy. Would you agree? I absolutely would agree. There's so many benefits to the 12 week year. And by the way, the difference between a 12 week year and 90 days is the 90 yeah. day stuff is still in the context of the annual environment. Yeah. 90 day and quarterly stuff is all part of the annual. It's, a, it's about hitting this annual goal. Mm. which still in the back of your mind somewhere says I can catch up. And the fact is, if you're behind, you might catch up on hitting the goal, but you can't recapture the capacity you left on the table last week, last month, a couple months ago. And that's the difference. In the 12-week year, there aren't four of those in the year. That's annualized thinking. So true. It's an annualized mindset. It's just this 12-week year followed by the next and so on. Right. And and so, yeah, I mean, if if you ever doubted, annual planning. Just look at last year when COVID came and blew up everybody's annual plan. Um, And 90 day and quarterly is typically a subset of that. With the 12 week year, it's completely outside of that. Every 12 weeks is is a year. And so there's plenty of time to make this amazing progress, but but it's short enough that, that there's a sense of urgency, a healthy sense of urgency. And so you do, you build momentum, you build confidence, you get a fresh start every 12, 13 weeks. I mean, it's a completely different way of operating. And you know, I, I don't know when planning first came into business, maybe 90 years ago, but you yeah. could look out five, six, seven years and not a lot was going to change. That's not yeah. the environment we're in. No. And yet most organizations, 
most individuals plan the way they did 90 years ago, right? Where it's this annual event. And, and you know, we sort of turned that upside down and said, that doesn't work. Yeah. Completely. And you talk about it in the yeah. book that, you know, end of year, you know, sales push or whatever to meet right. numbers and goals. It's like, well, that's a lot of stress and it also leaves too much up to chance. And that's probably not the yeah, best way to approach right. it. That's right. Um, okay. So talk to us about how, you know, how does it, how does it actually work? Take us into more of, you know, the specifics of the actual program. So um, the first is realizing that it's not enough to know. Right. That's the first thinking shift. Say that again. It's not enough. It's not enough to know. You've got to execute. Okay. That it's all about the execution. Because I think sometimes you feel like we've got all this knowledge and we think that's an advantage. Right. People say knowledge is power. No, it's not. It's only powerful if you use it, if you act on it. It's true. And so the first thinking shift, the first mindset is it really is all about the execution. You you mentioned fitness, right? Right. People, for the most part, know how to be in better shape. You eat you eat better, you exercise more. I mean, you can do that a thousand different ways, but the fact is, just go do it. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's the same with um, business success or spiritual or growing relationships or whatever it is. You, you know, it's about acting more consistently in what we know. Not perfectly. Yeah. But just being more consistent with it. So, so the first thinking shift is it's not enough to know. And then the second is getting out of the annual environment. You know, really working where 12 weeks is the year where there's a hard line in the sand yeah. where you're going to stop and you're going to measure your success or failure. And, and you're going to, you, you know, you're going to acknowledge the progress and you're going to learn from that. And then you're going to lock and load and go again. You know, it's a, it's a much more fluid process, which in our environment today, that's what's required to be at your best. And again, whether it's in your personal life or professional. And, you know, you mentioned you can, you can commit to something for 12 weeks and follow through on it a year, yeah. a lifetime. That's a whole lot harder. That's really totally. daunting. For 12 weeks. You can do anything for 12 weeks. Right. And at the end of that, take stock and say, okay, is that something I want to do again or not? Yeah. And so we treat every 12 weeks as the year. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you, um, let's talk about a lot of people set themselves up to fail without realizing whether that's with, you know, a new year resolutions, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, they get a list of 20 things and then by now they feel bad about themselves because most people don't <laughs> see the things through. Right? right. So, you know, is the idea to focus on, I, I was reading a part in the book that was talking about, you know, just that one goal, are you better off starting with the one goal, maybe one personal, one professional? How do you like to, how do you, how do you recommend doing it? Yeah, yeah, you're you're on to something there because the fact is because we're planning annually. Yeah. You know, and we go, "Oh, we got lots of time." Yeah. We put all this stuff into plan. <laughs> yes. So we start out and we're overwhelmed from the start and then we're diffused. Which is a recipe for mediocrity. And so with the 12 week year, it is, yeah, let's let's be great at a few things versus mediocre at many. And we can do that because yeah. we're trying to plan for 12 months. We're planning for 12 weeks. And so yeah. If you're just starting out, yeah, I love the fact that let's pick one business goal, one yeah. career goal, mm-hmm. one personal goal. Okay. And then really go after those two because 12 weeks goes by pretty fast. And, and especially in the first 12 weeks, you're on a steep learning curve. You're learning the cadence. You're learning the process. You're learning about um, where you tend to avoid things, what you tend to avoid, what it takes to get you to do the stuff that really matters. So there's a lot going on, especially in those first 12 weeks. But But even beyond that. Yeah. The fact is we all have limited capacity, yeah, time yeah. capacity, energy capacity, intellectual capacity. It's not a knock. It yeah. just is. Yeah. And so every time you pile on one more goal, 
the probability of you being great at any of them diminishes and it starts to diminish exponentially. Totally. So we always talk about less is more, you know, one goal is better than two, two is better than three. When you start to get more than three, especially in one area, like yeah. we see people in their business, they've got seven different goals, man. You're, yeah. you're like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and you're going to be really diffused and you're not going to move the needle significantly in an area. You don't build any momentum. I mean, it's really frustrating. Yeah. So let's focus it in. Yeah. They're not prioritizing, you know, that one or two key thing that's going to move the needle right. to use your words. Right. I think that's so important. Um, you talked about vision in the book. You know, you said that the vision is a starting point for all high performance. And I think this is so true because there's got to be something that motivates you beyond just writing it down on a piece of paper or declaring I'm going to, yeah. uh, you know, spend the next 12 weeks getting in shape, whatever that means. Um, tell us about the importance of vision, how we think about this, how we should frame it for ourselves, and then the specificity of the goal. How specific does it okay. need to be? Because I think sometimes goal setting isn't done the right way, and then people do set themselves up um, to to not to not achieve, and then they feel discouraged. So yeah. I know that was a stacked question. So no, I got it. I, I jotted it down. So um, so the vision we talk about being a cornerstone because that's the why. Yeah, and. Most of the, we've worked with thousands of people and lots of companies, but most of the vision work that's done, if it's done at all, is around the company or the department or something like that. With the 12 week year, we don't start with your career, your business. We start with your life because business is part of life. Yeah. What do you want your life to look like three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And by the way, what would great look like? God willing, we're going to be here. Let's make it great. And then we look to the business and say, okay, what do you need to do over here to line and enable with that? So there's an emotional connection to what I do Monday through Friday and the life I want to live. And, and the stronger that connection is, the easier it's going to be for me to step out and do the things it takes to get to that next level. Because if I'm striving to go somewhere I haven't gone before yeah. or even reclaim ground I've taken before, right? I'm going to have to do some things I haven't been doing. So there's discomfort in that. There's uncertainty. There's anxiety. I need a compelling reason to step into that, yeah. especially if I'm successful. Because the tendency if I'm successful is I do what I've always done. And the problem is the marketplace moves on. <laughs> it's true. You know, you're, you're either pushing ahead or you're falling behind. I mean, everything in the physical universe is either expanding or contracting. It's the same thing. If you're not growing as a person, if your business isn't growing, it's not healthy. It might not feel yeah. like you're, you're retracting, but you are. You just don't feel it in the moment. <laughs> and, and so without that compelling vision, it's just too easy to do what I've always done, um, lean into the comfortable and the familiar. And I, I justify it by, look, I'm doing great. Well, you are, but guess what? That's, that's starting to diminish without you even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Well, can you take us through a specific example of how you, for example, maybe a personal goal of yours or uh, a professional goal, you know, if somebody wanted to launch a course or, uh, you know, get fit, yeah. give us an example, maybe on one on the personal track and one on the business of how specific, specific we get after we've obviously done those questions of like, what would great look like? You know, why yeah. am I doing this? Why is this important to me? And they get clear on the vision. Yeah. So it always needs to align with the vision because that's the, that's the motivation. Yeah. Um, but then, so imagine now you've got this longer term vision, this three-year vision. Now on a 12-week basis, we set goals that align with that. So there's, so there's an emotional connection all the way through that. Yeah. And at the goal level, 
um, you know, one of the things that that is important is that people understand the difference between um, goals and tactics. Okay. Right? Goals and actions, outcomes and actions. And the, the truth is that if you think about it, what do we have greater control over, the actions or the outcomes? The actions. The actions, right? 100%. Yeah. Um, we don't control the outcomes. No. <laughs> we desire them. We might influence them. We don't control. Goals are outcomes. And that may sound really basic, but it's really mm. important to get the goal structured properly as an outcome. Okay. So for instance, I'll see people set a goal of working out. I'm going right. to work out four days a week. And we'll say, what's wrong with that as a goal? And people say, it's not specific. Okay, I'm going to work out four days a week for an hour. There's still a problem with that as a goal. And the problem is, is working out's not an outcome, it's an action. Yeah. And if it's not yeah. tied to anything more aspirational, in two or three weeks, it becomes drudgery and you stop doing it. It's true. <laughs> and, yeah. and I've yet, I've yet, it's true. And I've never yeah. yet to meet Michelle, anyone who, who, um, whose goal is really to work out. It's not to work out, it's to no. lose weight, it's to get fit, it's the lower blood pressure. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the outcome we're after. Working out is one of the tactics, maybe the only tactic. Maybe a keystone tactic, maybe one of a number of tactics, but it's an yeah. action. And so we have to get that relationship right. Same thing in our business. Um, you know, if, if, I, if I'm really trying to drive a course like that, you know, I'd probably put some sort of um, definitive measure on it. Is it going to, you know, what's it going to bring in a number of enrollees or revenue? Yep. Because just launching the course tells me nothing about the quality of it or the success of it. It's like in larger True. organizations, a lot of training departments measure their training by how many people participated in it. That, that, that's one measure, but it's a weak one, right? What did any, yeah. anybody do different in 30 days post-training? That's yeah. a much better measure, <laughs> yeah. right? And so as you think about these goals, you want to think outcomes and you want to think about you know, quantifying it or qualifying it. Because there are some goals you can't quantify. Mm -hmm. I want to improve my marriage. How do I quantify that? Right. You know, that's kind of tough. Yeah. So if I can't quantify it, I have to qualify it. What's different 12 weeks from now? How will I know it? Because I can't measure it by the tactics. I like to joke, I can't measure my relationship with my wife by date night because that might hurt my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's a joke. Um, but, but I need to know what do I want different in my marriage and is date night going to help that or not? Yeah. And, and that's why. So the first thing is getting, understanding the difference between outcomes and actions, goals and tactics, and getting that relationship right, and then making sure at the goal level, it's it's measurable in some form or fashion. It's specific. It's measurable. It's an outcome. Mm -hmm. That's the real key piece. And then at the tactic level is really not filling the plan with everything we can think of, but again, less is more the critical few. What are the most important actions? And and so people often ask, so what's um you know what's the right number of tactics? And the answer is the least number to accomplish the goal. Mm -hmm. Not the least number. Every goal would have one tactic, but the least number to accomplish the goal it might be six. It might be sixteen. We, we have one goal in our plan that's probably sixty actions, but it's the least number. Trust me. Wow. Um, and so you know, getting that relationship right, getting again, it's about the focus there. Yeah. Um, and then at the tactic level, being very granular. In the action, most plans are conceptual; they're not tactical, and you can't execute concepts. Um, mm, that's so we profound. Need to, we need to yeah. really get where it spells out the action that I'm supposed to take, or someone on the team is supposed to take. Okay, and you do obviously talk about sports and how you know they're driven <clears throat> by you know specific goals and measurements and stuff. I'm just wondering, 
do you, you know, just like an Olympic athlete plays it in their head, do you believe in visual cues or like something beyond, you know, setting the vision, but something that you can see or something that uh, is more, um, yeah, like a visual representation? I was just thinking about that, like, you know, something that keeps you motivated. Do you use that in your Yeah. Track? Well, part of that is not just creating the vision, but staying connected to it. Right. But it's one thing to create it. Right. Another thing to stay connected to it. So, you know, I have my mind on a little laminated card. I got a reminder in my outlook. Sometimes I'll read through the whole thing. Sometimes I'll pick one item and sort of mentally stay on the ground. But then what is really, it? Is it the actual what you've written out is what your your 12 week yeah, goal? No, what my vision, my longer term vision. What you I you have want, the longer term vision in front look of like you. Three years from now, 10 years from now. Yeah. And it's words, not images. For me, it's words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm very visual, so those words conjure up images in my mind. Sure. Um, but anything you can do to make it sensory rich. So put images with it is even better. Yeah. But then I'm connecting those to the actions in my plan. We talk about connecting the dots Yeah. so that, because look, I don't have to do the stuff. I only have to do it if I want to live this life. The other option is I can dumb it down. I can settle for less in life. But when I, when I confront that head on, most of the time, I'm not going to make that choice. I'm going to yeah. make the choice to step up and take the action. Um, so I'll give an example of that. We, um, we moved back to Michigan from, from Southern California. My wife and I were, were born and raised in Michigan. And a friend of ours, her mom, has a place up in Traverse City. So people know Michigan as a mitten. And, um, you know, they think about when they think of Michigan, they think Detroit. Yeah. There's so much more to Michigan. And it's yep. cool Detroit's coming back, but there's so much more. And up at the pinky on the mitten is Traverse City. And it's a beautiful area. Mm. Lake Michigan's just amazing. It comes in, it forms two bays. There's a peninsula down the middle that has orchards and vineyards on it. And um, our friend, her mom invited us up and she was all the way to the end, right before the lighthouse turn off on West Bay, sunset, all that. And so we fell in love with it, <clears throat> Judy and I. And we said, you know what? We're going to have one of these. It, it became one of our goals <laughs> on our yeah. bucket list. Mm -hmm. and, and the problem was on this particular road back in the woods, there's maybe 15 of these. And they rarely come up for sale. When they do, they typically go private and they're really expensive. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the first thing we did is we started renting the neighbors. And, and the, the interesting thing was my kids didn't care whether we rented or owned. It right. was still great memories. It was still the cottage. And, but what happened was those folks were older. They lived in Ohio. They only used it a few weeks a year. And so what I did is I every 12 weeks, I'd look at my plan, look at the actions in the plan. And, and the days I didn't feel like doing them, I would go, you know what? You don't have to do this. You only have to do this if you want to have that cottage and all the memories that come with that. And so that was the impetus then for me to act on it. And, and we were in a position that when, um, when they were ready to sell it, we were able to buy it. And I it, love it, this. And it was just awesome. It was connecting my daily actions to that longer term vision. That's great. Thank you for putting it into a story. Cause you know, I was kind of rooting for you over here going, yeah, but also I could feel that I could feel that. And if I could feel that for you, imagine if it was my dream. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? That's powerful. That's really yeah. powerful. Um, I think people have a really hard time with time management, hmm. really hard time. So now you get the goals, you got the 12 yeah. weeks. How do we yeah. get it on our calendar so that it's prioritized because we say things are a priority, but then when we look at right. how we're spending our time, they're not because we're not doing them. Yeah. Uh, so how do we get tactical and then actually use our calendars? Are you, and also I'm always curious if somebody's old school paper calendar or digital, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm digital. But there's some things you need in place to be effective with your time first. And I think some of the reason why we struggle with it is because we don't have these other structures in place. So when we do a workshop, I'll ask people, what's the first thing you need to know to be effective with your time? And some some people will say, well, how much we have. I'm like, well, we all have the same. <laughs> totally. Until we, we die, right? right? Others will say um, where we're spending it. Or others will say what's most important. You know, all that stuff matters. Yeah. But the first thing you need to know is what do you want? That's the vision question, isn't it? Yeah, it goes back to and the so vision. And so if we're not clear on that, then the next question is what matters most? That's the planning question. Yeah. Then the next question is, are we doing it? That's the execution question. The next question is, is it producing? That's the measurement question. Well, those are the four disciplines of the 12-week year plus yeah. time use. Yeah. So if those things aren't in place, it's really difficult to be effective with my time. Right now, now if I have those things in place, it's still challenging. <laughs> yeah. But that's where that's where we use time blocking. So we block out time to work on the business. We block out time to deal with voicemail and emails. So I'm not constantly chasing those things. We block out time to get away. Um, and and we call it performance time, but it it's a way to just kind of time block your calendar so that you account for the important stuff and then you let the rest of the day fill in around it, knowing that there's always going to be more to do than you have time to do it. Yeah. I actually had down, I noticed in your book that you talked about time blocking and I've always found it interesting, but do you, you know, you say you could do like a three hour block. What's your system look like? What have you found is effective in terms of that's also realistic? Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So there, there are three core blocks that we recommend for anyone. One is what we call a strategic block. Yeah. That's, That's three nice. hours blocked during the week sometime without interruption. Wait, during the week or during the day? During the work week. During the work week. Three hours. Three hours. Okay. That's strategic. No, no interruptions. I'm working on the business, not in the business. Right. right. So I'm working on things that probably don't have a payoff today, but if I never do them, there's never a payoff. <laughs> So yeah, think people are, that was an activities. important distinction you made because I think a lot of people are, they've, they're not doing those things. The things they're that not. are actually right. Cause they're consumed by the day. Right. But if you take the day as it comes, you go home exhausted, but you haven't done any meaningful work most of the times. Yeah. Um, so again, the mindset has to be, um, there's more to do than you have time to do it. Cause if you're under the illusion, you can get it all done. It doesn't matter what you start with. <laughs> That's true. But, but once you realize you can't, then, 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 you know, one strategic block a week, one three hour block of time where you're working on really critical stuff for the future yeah. can change your life. And that's then great. That's blocks, doable though. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's doable. doable. When you say three hours in the week, I mean, if you said during a day, I'd even think maybe that's doable, but maybe not realistic, but that's fantastic. Okay. So three hours in our week, once we can do week. that. Yep. Okay, once yep, but it's not additive. We're not saying add three hours. We're saying carve no, no. it out somewhere in your week. Totally. I get it. I get it. And but those are the important yeah. things that are going to move the needle forward on the important stuff, right? right Can right. you give one example so, of that? So like, that may what be would that look like? Yeah. Your your goal of 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 putting a course together. It would yeah. be building the course. Yeah. It would be building the course. It'd be building the marketing for the course. It'd be doing that strategic stuff that if you don't carve out time for that, it's never gonna it's happen. not the stuff beep in your inbox. You yeah, know? for sure. Okay, I love that. And then the second time blocking? Second one is is what we call buffer blocks. And and those are designed to deal with the emails, the voicemails, all the low-level stuff. Yeah. Some of that stuff you can stop doing. Some of it you still need to do. Yeah. And so a buffer block might be 15 minutes. It might be an hour. It might be once a day. It might be three times a day. 
Um, so your phone rings, your assistant or your voicemail says, I return calls between 11, 12, 4, and 5. Let me know what works. Someone drops in. This happens less now with COVID, but when you're back in the office, someone drops in, hey, you got five minutes. Sure, I do. Between 11 and 12, 4, and 5. Mm. It's not that I'm saying no. Right. I'm saying yes when it's effective versus when it's convenient, perhaps. Yes. And so I don't check my emails as they come in. I don't check my voicemails. I don't respond to that stuff. I have blocked out time when I'm going to go do that because that's not the stuff that is really creating my future. It's true. And then it could take you somewhere else that just ruined, not ruined your day, but it just t- took your day in a direction. It consumes. That's a great yeah. word. Consumes. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, again, depending on how much of that stuff you have, you may need more. Um, but eventually as you start to use the employ that what happens is some of that stuff goes away and then that's that gives you time for the strategic block it gives you time to be more on purpose the rest of the day yeah um and and that honestly i think is the toughest part for people Um, because they say well you know my phone rings people want to get a hold of me i know they do yeah (laughs) try try and get a hold of um your dentist or your attorney or your cpa they're scheduled they're busy they're busy professionals yeah right? They'll, yeah. they'll call you back. Uh, and typically most people are fine if you get back to them that day, let alone that day part. Yeah. Right. So part of it is, again, it's a thinking shift more than yeah. it is. The mechanics are easy. The thinking is what's the challenge. And, okay. you know, so often we use those activities as avoidance activities without even knowing it. It's true. You know, I was just sure. going to have to go do something. Comfortable. You use right. that word in the so beginning. I'm, People like to be comfortable. Yeah. It's comfortable. So I'm going to go check my, I better check my email before I jump <laughs> into this project. That might be a little more work. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And so the third one. The third one's a breakout block. That's time away. It's really easy to burn out, especially if you're a hard charger. And so scheduling time to get away. Um, and, and here's the thing about that. If you're using strategic blocks and buffer blocks, you can do breakout blocks. You can do them every week because the important stuff's getting done. And is that during your week, Brian? I didn't mean to interrupt. Is that your weekend? It's not you're taking your weekend. This is your week week. So when do you do yours? Just let us use your life. Friday afternoon. Okay. Because I like to extend my weekend. I try and and run mine where by one o'clock I'm out of here. You are. Okay. So that's your, so it's not, it's the cutoff is one o'clock. Yeah. Normally I'd leave at five on Friday. So you know, for me, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to put that breakout block at the, at midday Friday. So I get that. Extra and what are you doing? Weekend. Do you, I mean, not that you have to share too personally, yeah, no, but I'm no, just curious. I, these are great questions. Yeah. Yeah. So anything, <laughs> but work, anything that's not work related, Yeah. but I have horses. So we have, oh, nice. we have Arabian show horses. So I might wow. go out ride or tinker in the barn or just hang out with the horses. I might go play golf. Um, I might meet my wife somewhere for a cocktail, you know, anything that's not work related. Where yeah. mentally I'm turning off work. Yeah. So that I'm fresh, I'm excited when I come back. Yeah, I love that. I think that um, we, you know, even when I worked in corporate, there's so much wasted time between meetings and, like you said, all the dings. And people probably could have that time for that break if absolutely the productivity in the window was maximized. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think too many people work way into the night too. You know, they bring it home with them and they keep going. And it's like, yeah. We're a little addicted to work. There's something, yeah, it's yeah. almost like the phone. There's a little bit of a, there's a hit of like, I don't know, we like it. So we do Because there's always one more thing. Yeah. But if the, if the big stuff's getting done, then all that other stuff really doesn't matter. And so you can leave it behind without any guilt. You can 
be where you're at mentally as well as physically and be present and and it changes life. It really does. I feel more relaxed just talking to you. I was like, this all, no, you know why? I know I seriously do. I know that sounds funny, but I'm like, this, just like when I was reading it in your book, but it's so nice to hear you talk about it. Cause I'm like, I can, I can do this. And if I can do this, the people listening, the women listening can do this. Yeah, this is all very doable. And you've made time for us. Now, some of them, you know, if they've got the little kids, they're going to have to be more creative. Like you said, maybe that break is before they're awake or, you know, when they're in bed. I don't know if your wife ever had some strategies for herself. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have to, you have to have a little more flexibility with it, I think, but, but don't miss the concept. I mean, I have days that blow up. If it yeah. blows up on a day that I have a strategic block, I don't, I don't go, Oh, well I'll catch it next week. I, I find time in the week to still have my strategic block because yeah. I know if I don't have that, the really important stuff's not getting done this week. Yeah. Yeah. And are you up early? Are you one of these, you know, master your morning people or, you know, my partner's up at 4am Lennington, not my, not my life partner, Judy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your business, your business <laughs> Michael partner. Lennington, my business yeah. partner's up at 4am. Yeah. I used to get up earlier, but I find with the horses and the kids, I stay up later. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always striving for, I know that uh, the data says you need nine hours of sleep. I know for some that's like, well, that's crazy, but that's what I'm striving for. So I'm usually up around six, go out, feed the horses. And then I have, I have a routine I go through in the morning and we're doing a session tomorrow. It's interesting because the difference between habits and routines. Yes. Let's talk about this. Thank you. I I wanted to ask you about that too. Tell us the difference because this is very, very important, subtle, but important. Yeah. I think it's huge. And that, yeah. you know, I think Maxwell Maltz was the first that said, if you do something for 21 days, it becomes habit. And I think we found sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not. And, and the truth is that um, habits can be made from tasks that are easy to do. And yet I think all this talk of habits, right? So a habit, reap a destiny. Um, first you make your habits and your habits make you. I mean, all that stuff, I think kind of misleads us to think that we can take any activity and make it a habit. Right. I've worked out my whole life. It is still easier not to work out than it is to work out. <laughs> I have to consciously choose to go to the gym. Is that routine for you then? Is that routine? It's a routine. It's a routine. Yeah. Because, because it's just so easy to stop. It's not like brushing your teeth that you probably do without thinking. Right. Right. You know, you just can't even fall asleep without brushing your teeth. Right. Right. And, and if, if you don't brush your teeth, you feel weird. Yes. Right. For sure. That can can happen too with routines that you feel like, well, something's out of sync, but, but a routine is those tasks that it's, it's just as easy, probably easier not to do it than it is to do it. That's never going to turn into a habit. And yet I think we're led to believe it will. And then we get frustrated. Well, why can't I make a habit of working out? Why can't I? Cause you can't, you can make a routine though. Yeah. And routines really are what drive success. So what's, how do you start your day? How do you end your day? How do you start your work day? Those two should be separate. I was with a, with a group of folks and uh, we got talking about this and they said, well, first thing I do when I wake up, these were um, advisors. And they're like, first thing I do is I check the market. And then I go look at, uh, they were wholesalers, what sales came in and da, 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 da. And yeah, like, they jump right I in. I can't imagine starting my day that way. You know, yeah. I, I don't start my work day till I decide to start my work day. And for me, it's coming into the office, but there's a routine to kick off my work day. There's a routine to kick off my day. There's a routine to end my day. Right. And, and both of those, I, the key is to start out positive. Right. So at the end of the day, 
What are you grateful for that happened throughout the day? One or two things. That's it. Yeah. That's a great way to end your day. When you lay down, mm -hmm. you put your head on your pillow. Hey, what am I grateful for that happened today? Yeah. In the morning, having a routine that sets you off in a positive mode gets the right. We're back to that mindset. Yeah. Being intentional about managing your mindset. And so um, habits are great. <laughs> um, but but recognize that some of the things that we do are more difficult and will not be habitual. We'll have to consciously choose to do them. Those are things you build routines around. Yeah. And that's also connected to the vision. Yeah, ideally, right? I mean, there's yeah. a why are you doing this routine? How where's it where's it making a difference? Yeah. No, this is so good. Um, I'm just going to ask one other uh, thing about this success traits that you see that are in common in terms of, I feel like it might be a mindset thing versus those people who just can't seem to get it done. You know, what yeah. are the success traits you're seeing? What, what do those people have, including yourself? I mean, you've obviously mastered this. This is your work. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the big thing is I, I do think it's, it's the vision because the vision creates the passion. And the passion create in my mind, passion creates the courage to do the things we need to do. And so that's why we talk about vision as a cornerstone. Yeah. I've, I've, of all the successful people I've ever met or worked with, every one of them has been clear on something they want to create in their life yeah. and how they want, how they want to show up in their career, how they want to show up in their personal life. You know, now they differ, but they're all clear on it for them. I love and, that. Yeah. And then really having systems in place to help you act on that stuff more consistently. Yeah. Um, do you have any practices that are techniques that aren't in the book? Any personal things that you've done in terms of mindset? You seem like somebody who's very curious and who loves to like really maximize, you know, potential. I'm just curious if you yeah. do anything. So we don't else. talk a lot about routines. We don't talk about routines in the book at all. The 12 week year in itself is a routine. <laughs> um, but specifically my morning routine is, is one of the things I think that um, has led to my success that, and, and I'm a, I'm a learner. I've been hungry to learn my whole life. I, yeah. I shouldn't say my whole life <laughs> in school. <laughs> You're my kids found my report cards <laughs> when my mom passed away from grade school. I wasn't hungry to learn back then. <laughs> so, That's funny. Um, most of my adult life though, I, I'm, I want to learn. I want to learn about, because when I, when I read books, I think about how this is going to make a difference in my life and how yeah. I can apply it. And, yeah. and I've seen most successful people are learners. Yeah. I knew that about you. That's why I was asking. I was curious. <laughs> so what does your morning routine look like? Do you mind sharing? I think people learn from it's that. Fine. I mean um, first off, you need to know I'm spiritual based. So, okay. so first thing I do, I get up, I got to go feed horses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so first thing I do, I, yeah. I let the dogs out. I do my crunches yeah. in the morning for my back more than my, my waist. I go out, I feed the horses, I come in, um, I start with scripture and mm. then I go into prayer and then I go into affirmations. I and, knew you did affirmations. Yeah. I don't know how that's why I was yeah, when you had, you said you wrote it. I said, I was going to ask you, is it in the present tense as if it had happened? Yeah. So yes. what does your affirmation practice look like? Is it again, like where you want to be, but writing it as a now, or is it just like positive messages? How do you, how do you it's do a little bit of both, yeah. right? It's a, it's a, it's not very long. It's a couple minutes. And, and, uh, but it's a, it's just who, how I want to show up in this world. Um, and again, a lot of it is, is, is faith-based for me, I love that. but, but that's how it comes out. And then on the way into work, I'm listening to something positive. I'm not listening to the news. I, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably pretty ignorant in what's going on in the world day to day, 
because most of it is negative and that's not how I want to fill my mind to go in and try and make a difference in other people's lives. Yeah. So on the way in, I'm finding something, a podcast, something that's positive that, that I'm listening to. In addition, that's part of that morning routine for me. That's great. That's so helpful. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything I didn't ask about the plan or that you want to leave the women listening with today that um, you'd like to add to, to the conversation we've had? I, th- I think you've asked all the right questions. I mean, one thing I would say, though, is that this notion of what it takes to be great yeah, and what we sacrifice, I think sometimes we're led to believe that um, you know, we're going to ha- have to sacrifice um, values and integrity and family and health. No. No, but you're going to have to sacrifice your comfort. Because if you're going to be great, you're going to step out and you're going to have to do things you haven't done before and you're going to have to do them differently. And, and, and so to me, personal leadership is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's that willingness to lean into that and, and knowing that you'll figure out a way and you'll handle it. And, and I think that's, the, that's probably the biggest bugaboo for what holds people back is that internally we're wired for comfort. We seek that. We like what's familiar. We like it's comfortable. And comfort can be something that that really isn't working very well, but it's just so familiar that it feels comfortable. And, yeah. and so the willingness to, to step out of that, I, th- I think is critical um, if you're going to live the life you're capable of living. Thank you for such a great and empowering conversation. This was fantastic. I feel yeah, right. <laughs> like take on. <laughs> I'm right. going to do my 12 weeks right now. Um, where, where can I direct people to learn about you and your work, Brian? Where do I send them? 12weekyear.com. So the number 12, one, yep. two weekyear.com is where you can find us. There's some, um, some freebies on there. There's a getting started course, which is good. There's some nice. weekly success tips. Um, there's even a short little video series. So all of those are free. Awesome. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.